Take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 will continue our study in the book of Romans. And I'm excited about this. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, let's start reading in verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory, watch this, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame, because of the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for the righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare die. But God commandeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ Died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now, look at me. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to use them a good bit tonight. I want to help you. Uh, I want you to get a, a real blessing tonight. I mean that. I want you to, ooh, man, that thing collapsed on me. I want you to get a truth that will uh, kind of be one of those crown jewel truths that you carry with you for the rest of your Christian life. I mean that. There's a part of this truth tonight that should encourage you. It should encourage you about yourself, about others, and it will help you for the rest of your life. Let me start by saying this. I want you to have the assurance, the confidence, and the security of knowing that no matter what takes place, you're secure with God. No matter what takes place, you're secure with God. Now, I want you to look at Romans chapter 5 again. Look at verse number 1. And I want you to look at the first word. You ready? What's the first word? Therefore. Now, in the Bible, you have to go before to see why it is therefore. That's the best way to remember it. You have to go before to find out what it is Therefore, so back to verse 20 of chapter 4, he, speaking of Abraham, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for our sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification, therefore being justified through faith. Now I want you to notice something. God's talking about here the when a person gets saved, Jesus' righteousness, as we said last week, is imputed to our account. Now, in that, it makes us just with God. 
Not only does it line us up for salvation, but it gives us the righteousness necessary for salvation. Does that make sense to everybody? Forgiveness brings us up to, uh, and pardoning brings us up to, to zero. The imputation of his righteousness gives us that good works, that goodness that lasts the rest of our life to eternity. Now watch this. So Abraham believed God. It was counted to him for righteousness, and he was justified. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's the statement that I want you to get tonight. We have peace with God. Let me say something here to start. It does not say you have peace with man. It says you have peace with God. We were back in my hometown. The church that I got saved in is a, at best a rock and roll church right now. It's a mess. They barely have Baptists on the name. And they are about as far from Baptists as you can get other than just the name on the sign. One time ran 10,000 people. Now, wait a minute. I thank God I got saved. Just because the church changed didn't mean my salvation did. I, matter of fact, I know this is true. I wouldn't be invited back there. You say, why? They changed, I didn't. Now watch this. God never promised that we would have peace with every person. I'll be honest with you. I, don't, I love you all. I want to get along with everybody. But I'd rather have peace with him than anybody. I figure if I'm right this way, everything down here will take care of itself. When I got problems down here, I got to make sure this is right. So God says, therefore, it is a linking word that links both. When we get saved, we get justified. We can have peace with God in reference to our salvation. We have peace with God in reference to our standing with him. We have peace with God with the fact that we are justified the imputed righteousness of Jesus is on my account, and it doesn't matter what happens down here, doesn't matter what man thinks, doesn't matter what anybody else says, we have peace with God. Now, being justified wins the war. Let me say that again. Being justified wins the war. Uh, it settles our eternity, and it should bring peace to your life. Somebody said, well, you just think getting saved solves the whole thing. Yep, it does. Amen. Sure does. <laughs> oh, so much I want to say. We don't need to wonder in, in the hard times if we're saved. We don't need to wonder in the times of tribulation, well, did this come because I really didn't mean it enough? 
I hate that kind of garbage. Being justified takes care of not just past sin, but present and future sin. When you got saved, you got the whole package deal. It's kind of like buying an airline ticket. If you bought an airline ticket to fly from Dallas Airport to, uh, where do we want to go? To Honolulu, Hawaii. I don't know that I want to go to Honolulu, but as far as I can think of in America, amen? Now, if you wanted to fly there, the moment you got on the plane, guess what? You purchased your ticket to take care of the trip. Now, you might hit turbulence along the way, but you're still going to Honolulu. You might have to change planes along the way two or three or four or five or ten times. Uh, but you're still going to Honolulu, Hawaii. They might give you two packages of peanuts in a glass of water versus one. But you're still going to Honolulu. It doesn't matter what happens in the journey. You bought your ticket to take you to a destination. And the moment you got saved, your destination was cared for and you can't take it back. God's not an Indian giver. So being justified is not just for the present. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What is that peace? And I'm going to show you in a second here, but let me give you the spoiler. You don't get saved by your righteousness. You got saved by his righteousness. So the battle of whether my righteousness is good enough isn't the issue. And you win the war of his righteousness supersedes mine and mine does not matter. By the way, that's why we're not supposed to judge one another's salvation. Our righteousness has nothing to do with getting saved. It has nothing to do with us staying saved. It has very little to do with us proving that we're saved. Everybody do it okay? <laughs> well, they said they got saved, but by the way they lived, I don't know. We'll quit playing God. You don't need to know. If they said it, that's their problem. Amen. So, being justified keeps us in line with God. That is what is to give us the peace we need. Did you know, doesn't matter how many bills you have, if you're saved, you're still going to heaven? If you got $100 in the bank or you got $100 million in the bank, you're still going to heaven. It doesn't matter. You see, it does not matter what sin comes. We're saved forever the moment we get saved. This is the peace we need so that we don't have to struggle through life. Now, I'm going to make a few harsh statements here. Hang on. We are not saved, nor are we kept saved by our righteousness. We get salvation by God putting his righteousness on our account. That means this. That means we can rejoice in the hard times because our salvation is not being challenged. We can rejoice in the hard times, in the tribulations, because our salvation is settled. Did you know that to the saved person, this is as bad as it ever gets? Did you know for the lost, 
This is as good as it gets. Think of a lost person. They have hell to look forward to. This is better than hell. To us, this is as bad as it ever gets. If this is as bad as it gets, bring it on. I can take it. You see, God does not save us because of our perfection. He saves us by our faith in his perfection. We don't get saved by how perfect we are. We get saved by how perfect he is. Uh, Thus the statement, we're not a museum, we're a hospital. We're not here to put everybody on display and talk about our history. We're here to bring people in and bind them up and fix them up and get them back out working and, and, and functioning and doing something for God. Say, well, they're not perfect. Neither you or you wouldn't have made that statement. So let me help you tonight. Number one, when we get saved, God allows the Holy Spirit to move into our life. Remember, God made us body, soul, and spirit. Before we get saved, our spirit is dead. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. Being born again is the Holy Spirit conceived in our spirit and it is reborn. And the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it's not laying on the floor, flopping around like a fish out of water. It's not jibber-jabbering, saying all the motorcycle names backwards. It's not saying, I got it, I got it, I got it, and I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. No, the moment you get saved, the Holy Spirit moves inside of you and your spirit is reborn. Seed is conceived and it's there. Now, Turn your Bible, look at Romans 5, 5 again. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Oh, God says he gives us the Holy Spirit. I'm going to make a statement here. I would not fuss with anybody over this. I would not argue with them over this. But when, I think we misrepresent it when we get saved. Jesus doesn't come and live in our hearts. The Holy Spirit does. And I'm going to show you that in a moment. I wouldn't fight anybody. I wouldn't get in an argument over it. I'm not going to separate from somebody over it. But I think a matter of schematics is important because it is the Holy Spirit that God gave us. Jesus told his disciples, I'll not always be with you, but I will send one, the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, and he will be with you. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's not inside you. The Holy Spirit of God is inside you if you're saved. Now, turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, just back a book or so of the Bible. John chapter 20, right at the end of the book. John chapter 20, look at verse number 22. Verse 21, then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you as my father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. 
Interesting, the word breathe and the word ghost. Do you know what the word ghost means? Breath. The holy breath of God. Life-giving breath. By the way, that's why it is the word we would use as inspired. The Bible is inspired. God breathed into man the breath of life. God inspired. What happens when someone dies? They expire. They quit breathing. Life comes when it's inspired. By the way, did you know you don't have to give somebody mouth-to-mouth resuscitation 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, their whole life? Once they get breath, they start breathing on their own. This Bible's still breathing on its own. It's still the living words of God. And the Holy Spirit is the holy breath, the holy ghost of God that is given to us in our hearts. Look at Acts chapter 2, just a couple pages over to the right. Acts chapter 2, verse number 38. I love this verse. Acts chapter 2, verse number 38. By the way, talking about Peter, do you realize that 50 days before this, This is during Pentecost. Do you realize 50 days before this, Peter denied Jesus three times and cussed and swore? He's he's preaching Pentecost. He's about to give the invitation, and 3,000 people are going to get saved and baptized. Here's a guy that was cussing and swearing and denying Jesus 50 days ago. Seven weeks. Less than two months. God's got him back preaching. Look at verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord God shall call. That's talking about us. He said, If you're saved... You're going to receive the Holy Ghost. Turn to Acts, uh, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse number 15. Acts chapter 8. Look at verse number 15. Acts, I'm sorry, Romans. Romans 8, 15. Romans 8, 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which we shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the uh, creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now look at me. He said, look, when you're saved... His spirit bears witness with our spirit. Notice there's one capitalized and one small. His spirit's always capitalized. Ours is always small. No wonder our world is such a mess. They have a dead spirit. They're dead. They walk around as dead people. Uh, Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
very familiar passage to some of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse number 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Oh. Which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That proves when you get saved, we're supposed to change our life to match what the Holy Spirit wants and the word of God wants and not to live after the flesh. We're to do what God says, not what our flesh and the world says. Our church isn't supposed to be what the world wants. Our church is supposed to be what God wants. Our church isn't to match the neighborhood. Our church is to match God's hood. Amen? I've been in Chicago too long. The Holy Spirit gives us the eternal spiritual genetics of God. It is what allows us to live eternally. Now, because God gave us the, the Holy Spirit... We have access to all God is through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. Make a statement. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. We know that Jesus is the Word of God. Correct? The Spirit of God has to match the Word of God or it wasn't the Spirit of God. When a preacher gets up and says, well, I believe you ought to sell everything you have and give it to the church. He's a heretic and he's a liar because the Holy Spirit didn't tell him that. I always tell people book, chapter, and verse. If you can back it with the Bible, let's talk about it. Not pervert it, back it. Everybody doing okay? I, I don't ask people to do that kind of stuff. I've had people tell me they were, the Holy Spirit told them to do something. My first statement is this, show me in the Bible. I've used this illustration before. I had a lady come to me, and she said, when I was a teenager, I surrendered to go to the mission field. I got married. I've had, I think, four, five, six kids. I forget how many. She said, and I feel convicted. I feel the Lord wants me to leave my husband and my kids and go to the mission field. I said, you're an idiot, and God didn't, the Holy Spirit didn't tell you that. <laughs> She said, but, but I made a vow. I said, you made another vow that superseded it at an altar when you said, I do. And you have an accountability to God to fulfill that one. You already disobeyed him in, in the other one. Let's not disobey him in another one and, and really mess things up. I showed her in the Bible where she was supposed to continue doing what she was doing, not go to the mission field. You say, you are going to keep somebody off the mission field? Yeah, beats leaving a husband and kids behind. It was wrong. Well, I just feel like, it doesn't matter how you feel. Wrong word to use. Well, I believe. I said, I don't care what you believe. That's not what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit has to work within the confines of the Word of God. And the Word of God is Jesus, and Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are one. Book 1 John. 
Now, so, first of all, when we get saved, God allows the Holy Spirit to move into our life. Now it's going to get a little ramped up here. Number two, because we're justified and because we have the Holy Spirit in us, we can face difficulties God's way. We can face difficulties God's way, not by our flesh. Turn back to Romans chapter 5 again. Romans chapter 5, look at verse number 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Nobody likes that. And patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Turn to James chapter 1. Hebrews, James, if you get to the book of First Peter, you went too far. James chapter 1. I want you to notice the wording in James chapter 1 in reference to Romans chapter 5. James chapter 1, look at verse number uh, 2. My brethren, count it all, what's the next word? Joy, when you fall into diverse temptations. That's like the word tribulation, right? Huh. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally, and upbraith not, and it shall be given him. Notice this. God says that, that we're, we're supposed to glory in those tribulations. We're supposed to not be afraid of those temptations or testings. Now, according to Romans chapter 5, he gives us a process of five things. He said there's tribulation, there's patience, there's experience, there's hope, and there's boldness. How does that happen? Now look at me. It happens because when we got justified, the Holy Spirit moved in, and our standing with God does not change no matter what happens down here. And we're not to be so worried about what's happening down here. We're to live with eternity in view and just get through what's down here. We're so focused on what's down here, we forget what's up there. We're living for the next paycheck. We're living for the next car, the next toy, the next this, the next that. Or for your old people, the next doctor's appointments. Uh, and and we, we live for the things that we want here without thinking about what's up there. God said if you'll live looking here, you won't worry as much about what's going on down here. So we have tribulation. That is the word test or trial. Uh, opposition. God said we're supposed to glory in opposition, in tests, in trials. The devil's really after me. That sure doesn't sound like somebody filled with the Holy Ghost to me. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> I gotta tell the story. It's funny. My wife's gonna kill me. 
Saturday morning, we got up at the hotel. I got up early, ungodly early, and got ready like I normally do. Went down, was working for a couple hours. I came up about 7 o'clock. I walked into the hotel room. She was in the washroom. The door was shut. Lights are on. I thought, okay. And the door opens up. And she, I said, how are you? She said, it's been an interesting morning. Okay. Fellers, that means you better pay attention real fast. Amen. I said, what's wrong? Then she starts laughing. She went in to take a shower. She turned the water on. She pulled the little dew jigger. And you know where the water comes out there? It shot to the back of the tub. <laughs> she turned the water off. She didn't know if she could screw it on. So she, she turns the water on again. Boom! There it goes again. Nothing but a pipe sticking out of the wall. I said, looks like you're going to take a bath today, doesn't it? She said, mm-hmm. I said, I'll call maintenance after you're done. So I did. Blackfeller came up to come work on it. I said, I think there's a set screw in there, but it's stripped out and you can't get it any tighter. And for some reason, I don't travel with my screwdrivers. He thought that was funny. He, go, he said, I'll be right back. He took it with him and about 10 minutes later came back and he's piddling around in there. And sure enough, you could hear the water going. He said, now, do you want to come check this? I said, nope, I could hear it was working. It's fine. I said, I'm just not going to test it standing in there because I don't want my shins shot off, you know. I saw him the next morning. I was going up the elevator. He came in. He said, Pastor, did the water work this morning? I said, yep. (laughs) He laughed. I said, how'd you know I was a pastor? I never told him. He said, when I came into your room, you were working on your Bible. He said, ain't nobody I saw but a preacher or pastor working on their Bible. I began to witness to him in the elevator. He was saved. I said, well, what time do you get off work? He said, oh, I get off such, such time. I said, I said, I'm preaching over here at Massillon Baptist Temple. He said, my kids go there on the bus. I said, good. I said, you need to come on out. He said, I need to get back in church. I said, yes, you do. Can I tell you something? Some people would have been all bummed out about a stupid shower. Well, the devil's after me. No, there was a screw loose, not mine. I know where y'all are going with that. Mm-hmm. I, Scott, Scott was already breathing hard. It was coming out, amen? Now, wait a minute. Uh, just testings. Are you going to let that ruin your day? Why? Uh, Opposition. Then God says patience. Patience is responding right under pressure. Responding right under pressure. It's, uh, can I bring it into modern terminology? Not losing it? Patience means I'm not going to lose it even though I want to lose it. Experience. That's applying the principles of life to every situation. Uh, while we were driving over on Friday, I had a young pastor call me. He had to face a situation he hadn't faced before. And he said, How would you? And I told him, He said, I wish I'd called you first instead of somebody else. 
I said, well, you can fix some of this. I said, let me help you. And he said, how many of these have you done? I said, I've lost count. I said, I can't even tell you. And I just patiently worked with him. I was talking to the pastor for whom I was speaking. I was with Brother Thayer on Sunday, and I said, Hey, Brother Thayer, you and I are the same age. I said, Do you know what the word experience means? He said, I think I do. What do you think it means? I said, When you get our age, everybody says, Well, since you're so experienced, in other words, you get to do all the crummy things nobody else wants to do. He said, That pretty well sums it up. You know, I get the tough cases. I get the stuff nobody else wants. That's okay. That's experience. Then it's hope. Hope. Did you know hope is one of the three greatest graces God gives? 1 Corinthians 13. God said that the greatest of these is charity. The second was hope. Hope is right next to charity in God's graces. And then you have boldness. Look at verse number 5 in Romans chapter 5. And hope maketh not ashamed. I was in the lobby early Saturday morning working where they served the breakfast. They had tables. I got my Bible spread out. I'm working on sermons. I got stuff laid out all over a table by myself. I'm having the time of my life sitting there by myself working. And an older couple walk in. I had had coffee and I'd been working with coffee for a while. And he was not real good on his feet. She was better than he was, but neither one of them probably should have been down there by themselves. And I got up and I said, can I help you? What would you like? I'll go get it for you. They said, oh, no, 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 we can get it. I said, well, let me help you. And I helped the lady get some things. <laughs> she said, does it taste good? I said, ma'am, I don't know. I ate it, but I don't know. I said, I haven't smelled or tasted anything in two and a half years. She said, oh, no. She said, I lost taste for about six months once, years ago. That was horrible. Two years? I said, yeah. I went back, I started working, and <laughs> he was a talker. He began to ask, he said, you from here? I said, well, I was originally, what you need? He began to ask questions, and they had 77 North all tore up. Well, I'd just been there the day before, and Dad got messed up in it and called and said, don't go that way. So I got off an exit before and shot across to where I needed to go. He said, man, they took us over the river and through the woods. I said, where, where'd you get off? He told me, I said, that's the, that's the best route, don't worry. I said, uh, you go back that way, you'll be safe. I said, it's a direct route, or you can go 30. It's open south, but not uh, going north. And we began to talk, and he said, you've got to be a preacher. Man, can't get away from this, can I? And I began to talk to him, found out they were saved. I know what part of Ohio they were from. Matter of fact, I knew which church they went to. Can I tell you something? you got to have a little boldness. But when you know that you're saved and on your way to heaven, the Holy Spirit's inside you, you can witness to anybody. We were out soul winning Saturday morning, and 
we were in a neighborhood and the lady that was with my wife said, oh, don't go to that door. There's a lady. She's a Wiccan witch there. I said, that's the first one I'm going to. Her husband's with me. He said, you're serious, aren't you? I said, oh, yeah. I said, trust me. She won't even talk to me. He said, what? I said, I promise you, she won't even talk to me. I knocked on the door, opened it up. I had a track. I said, ma'am, I'm Pastor Bush from over at Maslin Baptist Temple. I said, do you get to go to church somewhere? I could look in the house and there's pentagrams and de devil heads everywhere inside. And she's looking at me like this. She said, I said, will you take this gospel track and I'll show you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. I said, well, I'm going to leave it in your door. I said, yeah, I'm going to. You have a good day. She did not utter one word to me. Les looked at me and said, how'd you do that? I said, they're afraid of preachers. I said, when you walk up filled with the Holy Spirit and they know it, they're backing off. I said, do you notice how she backed up as soon as she found out who I was? He said, yes, yeah, she took a step and a half back. I said, mm-hmm. I said, I told you she wasn't going to talk to me. We met back up with the ladies. I said, oh, by the way, she didn't say a word to me. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, just got to have a little boldness. The more times you go through this process, the easier things get in life with each problem. Tribulation, patience, experience, hope, boldness. Tribulation, patience, experience, hope, boldness. And each and every time you go through it, it gets easier and easier and easier. And then you know the process and you're just hurrying the process up. Now, the process doesn't change. You still have to have all those things. But you can get through that process faster and faster and faster each and every time one of those things hits you. It's like ladies making a recipe the first time and everybody liked it and you keep making it over and over and over and over again. Eventually you get good at it. You still have to make the same stuff with the same order. But after you've made it successfully, you make it again and make it again and make it again. You see, problems aren't if they come, problems are coming. Testings are coming. Tribulation is coming. And God gives us the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to help us through it. That's what John 14, 26 is. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, shall teach you all things, shall bring all things into remembrance. He's going to be there to help guide you through this process each and every time because you have peace with God, your justification's right, the righteousness is right, and God will guide you through the process. I have two minutes. Let's fly. Number three, we don't need to live in turmoil or depression because we have peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, we've read them. I'm not going to read them again. But God says, look, you can glory in those things, and you don't need to act like the world. You don't need to respond like the world. Psalm 37, 1, fret not thyself tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Let's not worry about what's coming up. Let's take today. Uh, turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8.
Look at verse number 35. Some of my wife's favorite verses in all the Bible. Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, oh, there's that word that was in Romans 5, right? Or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, it doesn't matter what comes. As long as you've been justified, you're going to be okay. Why are we so worried about tribulations or perils or problems or oh, the whole world is just going so bad, preacher? What are we going to do? We're going to keep going so winning and have the love of God and we're going to glory in those things that come our way. And who gives a flip? One of these days, Jesus is coming back and we're going to blow this popsicle stand. Let me read a few other verses to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll read them. I'll make one more statement and I'm done. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse number 7. But we have this treasure in earthly vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. Oh, the power of God, not us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For if we live, uh, for we which uh, live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. Skip down verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but through the outward man perish, though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us far more exceeding than an eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You run around depressed, in despair, panicked, in turmoil. It's because we're not walking in the spirit. We're walking in the flesh, looking at what's going on around us rather than looking where we're going. Preacher, how can it seem like you just walk around through life like nothing affects you and it just bounces off? No, it hits hits hard sometimes, but I'm focused on the right thing. I'm focused on the Holy Spirit that says, keep focused on me. You're justified. The battle's won. You have peace with God. Don't worry about the peace, the peace down here. We get justified at salvation. We don't ever need to worry then when the difficult times come. We have peace with God because of our justification by faith. And the righteousness of Christ in that alignment he gives, gives us the peace. And peace is a result of war. Which means I'm on the winning side. 
Yes, I'm on the winning side. Guess what? I read the last chapter. We win. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm done. Maybe we ought not learn. Maybe we ought to learn not to fret. Maybe we ought not be so depressed and discouraged. Maybe we ought to glory in the tribulations, not be so afraid.